welcome to the Drunk Dietitians podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Sammy here to record the intro for you guys for this episode. I am so freaking excited because today we had on Tally Rye. She's a personal trainer from London across the pond. Um, so not only is her accent just the cutest thing, I have a thing for people from London, I guess, but I seriously was so excited that she even agreed to come on. She was someone who came across my social media feed a few weeks ago. I have no idea how I hadn't heard of her sooner, but she's a personal trainer like I said, in London, and she is also the author of Train Happy, which is a book that is all about intuitive fitness. So I know if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard us talk about intuitive eating, how to enjoy food again, trust your body. Well, now we're talking all things intuitive fitness. So this is all about enjoying movement again, how to bring true happiness back to your relationship with fitness. So Tally goes super in depth in our conversation um, that we have today about, you know, if you came from a place of diet culture, how to really love fitness again and for how it makes you feel, but not because you're trying to burn calories or change the size of your body. Both myself and Jenna ask very personal questions about our relationship with fitness um, and look to Tally for some answers um, and just her expertise. Um, if you are a fitness professional or know any fitness professionals, Tally does some really great sharing in this episode too of how to just cultivate a very safe space in the fitness world, making sure that we're using verbiage and just using language that really honors our body um, and doesn't undermine trying to, again, create that really great relationship with fitness. So I'm going to start stop rambling right now because honestly, I just loved this episode so much. It is so exciting to share it with you guys. So I'm just going to let you go right in, enjoy this episode and cheers to you. Happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Let's get some ASMR in here. There it is. <laughs> I, always, I always love cracking that open. Um, today we have a very special guest um, from across the pond. We have Tally Rye. She is a personal trainer, the author of Train Happy, and also the host of the Train Happy podcast. Um, so we are so, so excited for her because she believes in intuitive exercise and having a plan for every body 
size, shape, color, et cetera. So thank you so much for being here today, Tally. We're so excited. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really pleased to be here. And then I just realized I turned up with water and that's not the plan, is it? <laughs> I'm really well, honestly, sorry. I thought, <laughs> well, you know, we drink all beverages here and we love okay. water too. Cool. So we're good with that. I have coffee today because it's like a marathon for me over here today. <laughs> but at, when the clock hits 6 p.m., it'll turn to wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Seriously, cannot wait to learn from you and just hear all of your inspiration. Um, but we're going to start with a little rapid fire. So I'm just going to go really into it. Tequila or vodka? Tequila. Wine or beer? Neither, but wine if I have to choose. So tequila is like when you're drinking, that's your go-to or do you have another? Uh, do you know, I like tequila and gin. I don't know if you do gin as much as we do in the UK, but it's very popular. We love our gin and tonics and flavored stuff and like yeah, that's my vibe. Yes, I like that. Mm, cocktails. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. Because I've been studying your TikTok, dancing or running? Dancing, 100%. I knew that answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Smooth. Awesome. Woo! That's like the first that. one I've gotten in a while. Everybody's been yeah. a crunchy fan. <laughs> I had it on my breakfast this morning. I have peanut butter probably every day. Yeah. Me too. That was Same in your podcast us. that Sam and I were listening to also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So snow or sand? Sand. All right. Now, if you could have one thing in limitless quantities, but it couldn't be money, what would it be? Oh, um, it couldn't be money. But it could be, um, oh, I'm really not, this isn't quick fire. Uh, <laughs> this is a hard quantities. question. It is. That's a really tough question. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I'm suddenly overwhelmed with like a room full of stuff. But of course, it's limitless. I can choose how much I want of it. But I just know it's on tap. It's on tap. I'm gonna yeah I am I'm trying to think like I don't know myself very well (laughs) um how about I know it's not great for the environment but sustainably made clothes how about that I love it love it like are you an athleisure girl obviously we know your passion but are you an athleisure girl or do you like to wear well types of clothing I wear some sort of leggings, crop top combo, probably Monday to Friday at least, if not a bit on the weekends. Like, so I wear it for my job. So I essentially, so I do, I like, don't get me wrong, I love a coordinated outfit. I love it. But I also really miss clothes, especially now working at home. I don't really have many reasons to dress up. So I have all these great like fashion choices in my head, but I have no reason whatsoever to get to like get dressed and like wear these fancy outfits unfortunately I can relate so much Sam always shows up to these recordings like so coordinated and I'm always in the same like box yeah (laughs) (laughs) a few episodes I just came in my pajamas and hadn't brushed my teeth yet so don't let her fool you but we're gonna jump right in for the sake of time because there's so much we want to get to today But really to start off 
for anybody listening, Tally, if you can just kind of give your story behind like what you do and how you got to where you are today with what you believe as a personal trainer. So I wasn't into fitness as a teenager or a child. No, not, no interest in sport or anything like that. And I actually wanted to do musical theater and I um, was singing, dancing, acting, and I was a stagey kid. And I wanted to, uh, I went to drama school for essentially five years. Um, and during that time, um, I wasn't a dancer prior to that. So I would just hadn't really done much exercise in my life. But when I got to drama school, it's very heavy on the singing, dancing, acting, and it's very heavy on, you know, pressure to um, look a certain way, um, be, have fitness, have stamina and endurance, because actually it's a very physically demanding job. And I also found myself at drama school um, having some gut health issues, and I also wanted to, yeah, just be the best healthy performer I could be. So naturally, I went on google.com and I went on various uh, magazine um, articles and you know social media pages and I was looking at like how to be healthy and healthy was presented to me as you know losing weight that was like the first thing you did when you're getting healthy is you just lose weight and the second thing was um, cut out certain foods and work out in a very particular way um, without with having few rest days and at a high intensity and so I naively just followed this guidance that I found from you know people online and these you know articles and just started exercising um, at the time this is like 2013 2014 and so Instagram was an emergence and a lot of it was very heavily dominated by bodybuilding at that time so I was very influenced by that and I would start training in a bodybuilding way which is lots of weight training uh, I also then started to do kind of macro counting and preparing my food and also while I was at drama school um, and you know initially I received lots of compliments and I started getting a six-pack and all these things and I then suddenly found myself like sitting in my dance, like in my rehearsals and my like classes, calculating what I was going to have for dinner and, you know, making sure that I always had time to go to the gym. Like I could, I could not miss the gym. I had to, you know, if I was going to have this snack this afternoon, that meant I couldn't have whatever I wanted at dinner. So I would just do like loads of mental um, arithmetic in my head every single day. And it got to the point where I just had like a bit of an intervention with my housemates who I was with at the time. And they were just like, you're becoming really obsessed with, you know, what you're eating and exercising. And I was like, yeah, but I'm just doing what all the other people online are doing. Like I'm just following these Fitspo pages and that's what they tell me I should be doing. And they all seem to be happy, happy and they're posting pictures of their body and they look amazing in my view. So I'm just doing the right thing. But I eventually like decided I would like stop tracking and deleted my fitness pal and those types of things. And then from then on, I went through different phases of being fairly obsessive over what I was eating, how I was exercising, even though I, I wasn't formally counting what I was doing. I knew I had all these mental calculations I could still do in my head. So I was still being very restrictive. And once I graduated, I decided that I had this newfound passion I had for health and fitness. I would become a personal trainer on the side whilst auditioning because 
you know, acting's a part-time job and fitness can be a part-time job. So why not do both? That's very common in the industry. So I became a personal trainer. I never really auditioned. I just dove straight into it, had already started sharing this on social media, um, you know, my, my personal account and was doing lots of food stuff at the time. And um, kind of as I started working in the industry and have gone through my 20s and a lot of, uh, you know, personal growth, I realized that I was in a very highly disordered place with like food and exercise in my body. I would flip flop between like trying one more diet, one more plan from a trainer that they would give me, you know, one more thing to try and get this body that I felt that as a personal trainer I should have. And, you know, the past three or four years, I discovered, you know, this um, intuitive eating and this kind of non-diet world. And I understood what diet culture was for the first time. And, you know, this has been such a revelation to me personally and professionally. And it now obviously heavily influences my work now. So, um, over the past kind of three or four years, I've gone through a huge personal evolution and professionally and kind of really, um, intuitive eating really like resonated with me and it put a lot of the pieces of my puzzle together. Like it really made a lot of sense to me. I'd already wanted, I'd already slowly started to kind of step away from more, more restrictive behaviors. And I kind of knew that, you know, some of what I had done in the past, like wasn't okay, but I, you know, there was like, I was still sat on the fence a bit. I was like a bit, you know, in that like mid limbo, so to speak. And intuitive eating was like, oh, that's what I was doing. And that's where I need to get to. I get it now. And so, you know, learning to listen to my body, trusting myself, re rejecting diet culture, eating till I'm full and satisfied and allowing myself, you know, unconditional permission to eat was huge huge for me and I realized that through that process I needed to apply that to how I viewed exercise and I felt like a lot of people needed to view it, apply it to how they approached exercise because I think we talk so much about food there's so much stuff out there about cheers and eating which is awesome but yeah I wanted to have something um you know I was starting to really assess like so why was I working out was I working out because I wanted to or was I working out because I was scared of my body changing or you know, do I like weight training or have I only done weight training because that's what the Fitspo people told me when I was in the depths of diet culture? Maybe I actually prefer dancing or maybe I want to do swimming. Like maybe I can try other things and I don't have to stick within these small rigid box that I pigeon, you know, cornered myself into um, because, you know, in the name of Fitspo and being a personal trainer. So the long and short of it is I wrote a book about it and it's, um, <laughs> and I took those principles of intuitive eating and applied them to fitness because like I said, I just didn't feel like there wasn't that much information out there about that. And I wanted, it's the book I wish I'd had when I was trying to get fit and, you know, care for myself without going down this disordered route that I think is sadly really common. That is awesome first of all, just thank you for sharing everything and I think you know looking at intuitive eating for anybody who's listening if you maybe you've heard of intuitive eating maybe you haven't maybe you've seen it on social media intuitive eating is an evidence-based practice it is made up of 10 principles over 120 studies to date and one of those 10 principles are movement right and I believe they just changed how they worded it but like gentle movement that feels good for, for your body. And so that's something that you 
Tally have really kind of honed in on and taken that principle and just flew with it. And there's not a lot of people doing what you're doing. Um, and so one question I had for you kind of coming on to today is, you know, being a personal trainer and one of your, one of your podcast episodes on train happy, you talked about how personal trainers have such a huge influence on people's relationship with food and fitness and health, even more so really than doctors and dietitians due to just like access, um, of, you know, being able to really meet with them. So what would your message be to other fitness professionals when it comes to, you know, the power that they hold with, you know, their clients and the relationship to food and health? Yeah. So I think it's true that, you know, we often, our first point of call when we're trying to get um, help, you know, trying to get fitter and healthier, we go to the gym, we go to a personal trainer. That's the most accessible way. I actually, you know, finding a nutritionist or a dietitian in the UK is a bit harder and it's a bit more niche thing to do. And, um, in some ways it's quite a privileged thing to do. Um, and I also think a lot of people don't feel like they need to go to their doctor with this, you know, with this. So they look to the personal trainer. Um, the ironic thing being the personal trainer is the least qualified person out of that to give this advice. So it can get really, um, conflicting and confusing because there's a lot of, I'm sure it's the same in the nutrition world. In fact, I know it's the same in the nutrition world as it is in the fitness world, a lot of people come into this industry, hello, myself, my story, because I was obsessed, okay? Because I felt like I needed to control my body. And if I can control my body, anyone else can control their body. And if I can do it, you can do it too. And so we go in there with the best intentions because we're like, I just want to give someone what I gave to be. Yet what we're often giving to ourselves or rather doing to ourselves can be quite disordered. And it can be... Um, it can cause us to have a strained relationship and confused relationship with exercise and food and our body image. Um, and so exercise often gets framed, I think, in that setting as, you know, you're going to a personal trainer because you want that transformation plan. You want to have that, you know, 60 day plan. You want to get the before and after photo. You want to, um, you want them to solve all your problems before your holiday. And I think a lot of personal trainers are also slightly projecting by offering those things because maybe they feel uncomfortable in their body or feel like they have to look a certain way and therefore they feel that other people should look a certain way. And so that, that informs the lens with which they um, conduct themselves. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's, I don't blame any personal trainers for that. And I don't blame any nutritionists for that because we are all swimming in the sea of diet culture, right? This is the, this is the normal message. And actually maybe if you're listening, maybe this feels quite like a radical thing to say that you might not want to do those things. Um, so I get it, but I also think that therefore a lot of personal trainers may say to you like, what's your goal? What do you want to do? And you know, they may, encourage you to try and lose weight when you might not want to lose weight and in fact interestingly enough I got the opportunity to write my book because the person who commissioned my book came to me and said I really relate to the work you're doing and I had an experience with a personal trainer where they didn't listen to me and when I said I wanted to focus on getting fit and strong they put me on a meal plan and were tracking my weight and that's not what I wanted to do that's 
that's not getting fit and strong that's losing weight and that's a different thing and i think that's what we need to get into in um we need to get that differentiation of fitness like losing weight is a thing and getting fit and strong is another thing and those two are not um inextricably linked they're different and we need to stop saying they're the same thing. And, you know, we can help people get fit without having them step on the scales. Like you can get better at press ups without me measuring your waist. Those are different things. And so I think it's really important that we have options in the industry. Um, you know, one day I hope that we're not forcing or, you know, marketing this one um, approach to fitness. Um, and that, that maybe that's not even a thing at all in a dream world, but in 2020, <laughs> I hope that at least people feel like they have options and you can go to a trainer. And if you ask to, you know, learn how to lift weights, that that's what they help you with. And that, that your weight change does not have to be a byproduct of that. It does not have to matter. Um, and that I think that's the direction in which, um, you know, I, I want fitness professionals to go. And I think, I think fitness professionals also want to go there because I think they also like, they want to do things a different way, which is exciting. Yes. And honestly, I just want to say, I think anything can happen in 2020 as, yeah. as evidenced <laughs> by what's been happening. So I love this and I would love that to be what comes next. Um, I think Sam's question was so on the nose of, you know, the impact that, trainers can have with their people, right? But your intentions are so pure and so beautiful. And I relate so much to what you're saying. But when you get a client and you see them starting to turn, right? Or like go into that like obsessive world or start to become hyper-focused on, am I strong enough? Or am I this enough? Or like, I know you know what I'm mm. trying to get at when they kind of like cross that line of mm. this is no longer like a healthy relationship with fitness. Cause I know I was there 1000%. Mm. Um, what do you do as the professional in that setting to really just like reground the person into why are you working out? And that's not our purpose. And I don't care about your weight loss or whatever the it is. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's really important that a client has body autonomy. And so like, if that's what they want to do outside of their session with me, then that is their choice. However, in a session, um, first of all, I don't weigh my clients. I don't measure my clients. I don't ask them to take pictures. I just focus on the training and we just talk about the training. And I really, when I'm asking them to, to, you know, what goals do you want to work towards? I, my goals are always, well, not my goals, but um, that conversation is usually around like, what would you like to achieve with your training? So the focus is on what can you do with your body rather than what your body can look like. Mm -hmm. And the same with the conversations we have just generally in session. I don't tend to compliment my clients' um, bodies. I don't tend to make comments about their weight or, you know, even if, I, even if I'm like, oh, I can see that they've got more muscle in their arms. I'm very careful with saying, oh, wow, I can see your arms are really toned. I wouldn't use that language. I'd be really, really careful and say, um, awesome, you'll get, like, you're um, getting much stronger because we can physically see the, mu the muscle is there. So I just think it's about being really careful with, okay. and I think within that setting as, a, as the trainer, like, I can um, create a space that is not weight-focused, that is more performance-focused, 
and you know have that conversation i'm also a super me in terms of my training style which isn't necessarily what i advocate for everyone because i think each personal trainer sometimes people are looking for different things but i'm just super chill and um my clients are therefore super chill I really think if you give off, I think if you don't make this be like the be all and end all of their life and you just realize this is an extracurricular activity in their busy, hectic working week and you're there to help make them feel good and enjoy themselves and have a bit of an escape and self-care time, then that's the kind of atmosphere I like to create in my sessions. And like I said, I don't put pressure on them to, uh, we don't even talk about, um, food or anything like that I mean even if I do I'm very careful about using neutral language around food I'm not saying this is good this is bad I might say like oh that's delicious and that's yummy or like I don't like those things but I don't try and put either of those things on a moral pedestal because I also think that we can get subconsciously like learn a lot of this stuff from um, ourselves and I've also noticed I work so interestingly enough where I train clients not anymore I train them on <laughs> Skype now but pre pre corona pre pandemic uh, <laughs> I was um, in a studio and that studio specializes in transformations so I am like a fly on the wall and it's fascinating and there's a lot of conversations with people about like you know almost like going to their trainer to repent their sins of what they ate on the weekend or like, they're like, okay, we're going to do extra burpees today and all this kind of stuff. So I think for me, it's just really neutralizing that stuff. I'm not asking about it um, because I'm not expecting them to report a food diary to me because I trust them to be um, the expert of themselves. And yeah, it's, but I, but I think this goes back to like the previous question of like, I think this is because um, when you're in a peaceful place with food and exercise, you can create a peaceful environment with food and exercise. And mm -hmm. I think if you're not, then things are going to be on edge. So I've worked, I've been around clients, um, trainers, sorry, who have made, you know, disparaging remarks about their own bodies in front of their clients and said, I need to lose this weight or like, look at this or whatever. And even if you're not directly saying something to a client in that situation, you can't help but internalize as the client, like, oh, do they expect my body to look like X, Y, Z? Or like, and I think um, that's because a lot of people in the fitness industry have their own stuff that they, they are battling against and their own demons to fight. And I think it's really hard. Just like nutrition. <laughs> yeah. We talk about often. I mean, if every personal trainer could be like you, this world would be such a different place. <laughs> I think there's some good eggs out there. And um, <laughs> I, I, it's really exciting because I think, um, I, I, I think the problem, I think the issue is, and I think the same, you know, with any industry is it's, it's about the education and, you know, you're only practicing what you're taught. Right. And, so as a personal trainer, when you go and do your courses, you're taught to, to track progress by tracking body fat percentage. You're not taught to track progress necessarily by doing fitness testing. And well, you are, but that, it seems like the least amount of emphasis is placed on that. So I'm really passionate about um, a more, that more holistic approach to fitness and obviously coming at it from a non-diet approach, a more haze-based approach and... I would love there to be some more formal education on that. So watch this space because it's the little thing I'd, I'm hope to working on eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully just the pandemic, you know, just that pandemic thing. Yeah. Well, I think there's so many parallels to 
to fitness and to food, right? Or the, like our diet, the diet culture, but creating a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with fitness. And something Evelyn Triboli had said to me on one of our supervision calls was just really setting the stage with your clients, whether you're a fitness professional or a nutrition professional, to say like, you are not performing for me. I work, I work for you. And I think that was like so profound when she said that. And I make sure really set the stage with clients because especially from a food perspective, when they've been in diet culture and they've worked with maybe dietitians or nutritionists in the past that are looking at their every move and like awarding them for eating a salad and then telling Mm -hmm. them to like substitute something, it becomes this performance relationship. And to make it where we're not authoritative figures with our clients, but we're walking alongside them and supporting them. Mm. I think it's so profound and it. That's exactly what you're saying to us right now. Um, so what, how do you navigate that with other trainers? If you hear them <laughs> saying like, you know, this, I know this is hard, but like if you hear them saying like, you need to burn it to earn your pizza this weekend or like, you know, those kind of things, how do you teach to kind of a twofold question? Do how do you present that with other fitness professionals? If you do say something and then how do you kind of navigate with your clients, maybe training them to identify that, that, that verbiage is harmful and how they Mm. can kind of set boundaries for themselves. So, um, a lot of the clients I trained, I, I don't train as many clients as I used to, and I, I've trained other people for a long time. So they know me really well, and they also have kind of gone on a little bit of a journey with me as well. So we've kind of evolved together. Some people I've been training for like five years. And it's so interesting when we hear these conversations happening. Like it was really sad. There was a trainer in my gym who was training another, who was clearly a friend, but that she was giving her a PT session, but both of them were trainers. Does this make sense? Yes. <laughs> and they were both, they were moaning about one of their clients saying, she's gained weight, she's done this. And my client looked at me and was like, I can't believe they're having that conversation. I cannot believe that they're talking about that. And I just give them the eyes, the like, the wide-eyed like grimace. And that's code for like, what they're saying is BS. Um, So just have your like BS filter on right now because this is a load of rubbish. Um, And the new clients I do have, because they kind of come to me now because they found me through the work I do now and they, they're aware of my approach and you know during our consultation process we have conversations about this and they therefore come wanting you know my approach and understanding my approach um and so they've also got a bit of a that diet culture radar on now so they can they can kind of see through it but you have to be really careful there's progress pictures on the walls and you have to say like keep your head down when you walk in. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Just come in here and focus on yourself. It's not about those other people on the walls. It's about you. Um, and you know, me and you, this is a safe space. We have a safe relationship. Um, and yeah, you just, you just have to eye roll and, you know, and maybe have a conversation with them. Like, can you hear them? Like, you know, there was a client, there's a trainer once chastising his client for, using butter in cooking. And I just thought, (laughs) let the man live. Let him eat with flavor. I ate without flavor for so long. And (laughs) introducing butter back into my cooking is makes food taste so much better. Like, come on now. Come on now. What I hear is that, and what I love that you're saying is that you don't try to, and this is something I'm really working on, is that you don't try to protect your clients from 
hearing or seeing, I think the thing, things that are outside of your own perspective or the work that you guys are doing, but you make it a very safe space to have a conversation if something does trigger them. And I think that that's huge in nutrition and in fitness because mm -hmm. we have clients that if they're seeing something on social media and it's impacting them or they hear something that could be triggering for them and we don't talk about it. We don't know where they're kind of like brewing that information from. Right. So I love that you said that, that you say like, keep your head down, focus on you. But if you hear something like, let's talk about it. That's such a beautiful mm -hmm. thing that shows that your clients really trust you and you're creating this like safe space for them instead of what fitness can really be viewed as. Um, out yeah. There. And like, if I was, and you know, a lot of the time now I'm having interactions with people about how to navigate fitness online. And I think like whether that's on social media and um, I'm just like, you are totally within your power. Like you owe nobody a follow. You owe no one a follow. If they're, if you go on one of someone's page and I, I feel like this gets said a million times, but if they are, if that is triggering you or making you feel like you're not doing things correctly or, you know, you're not, um, eating correctly or you should be eating less or you should be smaller and you should be lighter. Like, you're well within your rights to set the boundary and you're well within the rights to protect your energy. And, you know, it kind of goes without saying, I think in the context of real life as well. And it's really hard to like have verbal boundaries with like friends and family when people make comments and stuff. I think that's really hard, but I think um, we kind of spoke before we started recording about, I find certain things like a lot less triggering for me now as they did, because when you get to a point, I think where you are, um, you've done a lot of work on yourself. You can become a lot stronger and firmer and planted in where you want to be. Um, and you're not as easily kind of swayed around, I think. Um, and you can feel really grounded with what you're, where you are. And so like it takes time and work and that's what we as professionals try and enable that journey. And we're trying to like walk with them on that and, you know, hold their hand a bit. But I think, um, there's a point where you kind of turn that corner and um, you know, it's not to say you won't ever have moments because that's like, that's we're human. But I think um, you can feel once you've created that safe space, whether that's online or in person, you can feel a lot firmer, you know, with your beliefs and your values and um, you can do what feels right for you, which is ultimately what, intuitive eating and intuitive fitness is about it's like building that trust with yourself and your body so if you can just build that trust and just trust that you're doing the right thing for you other people's opinions become irrelevant i have a personal question because i know jenna <laughs> you kind of went with what you struggled with in the past so now i want to flip it to what oh, i i can't I know, wait <laughs> i know what i struggled with but also i see a lot of parallels of what my clients struggle with, with what I struggled with, with fitness, because they lived in diet culture and were a part of it for so long. So do you see clients that maybe, you know, were on diet after diet after diet or forced to work out or felt like they had to, to burn calories or, you know, whatever it is to look a certain way where they're trying to like repair their relationship with fitness, where I know personally for me, like I took a hiatus for so long because like I can't do this anymore because for me it was all associated with like changing my body or burning calories. So how do you teach people to love fitness again? So yeah, 
totally um, <laughs> get that because it's interesting. So like I said, I have, I've had a lot of um, clients I've trained for a long time. And you know what? Generally, those people are in a really good place with food and exercise. And they actually have, a, I think, quite a normal relationship with food and exercise, which is actually very unusual. But they seem to be pretty okay but people I get to me um more recently yeah they may have gone through um I've had quite a few people who've gone through phases of taking a break from exercise um they've been working on intuitive eating they've been you know working on moving away from diet culture and exercise is so strongly correlated with dieting and restriction and punishing and you know what we said about doing stuff to your body rather than giving to your body? It's like, what can I do to like make up for that food and burn off that thing and feel less guilty and, you know, hate myself a bit less. And I think when you've been in that mindset for so long, you have to have a pendulum swing to rest. Like, I think that's really um, important. I know um, Caroline Duna, who wrote the fuck it like we can start this can't we she talks a lot about she talks a lot about rest doesn't yeah. she and um i think that's really important for part of your healing journey and it's not to say that you won't ever come back to exercise again exercise will always be there you will there's always going to be an option to move your body in some way shape or form and I really like to encourage people to think of the big picture, think long term. If six months, one year, two years, you need to step away and, you know, just focus on your mental health and your relationship with ex um, food and all that stuff, then that is totally cool. What we're hoping is that you can find, come back to that middle of that pendulum, find a sweet spot where you're engaging with exercise on your terms. You're doing it because you have intrinsic motivation to move your body. You're not doing it for um, external validation and compliments and to please other people. You're doing it to please yourself and to make you feel good. And ultimately, that's the goal. And you also may find that you choose to do different forms of exercise. So for me personally, I didn't take a formal break but I reframed what I did so I stopped doing the kind of bodybuilding style training that I'd done for years out of habit and started to I've had swimming lessons and I've been doing lots more dancing um and I've done more pilates so actually those forms of exercise I used to dismiss because in my view they did not burn enough calories or get me the aesthetic results that I was told that you know as a fitness professional we're always talking about getting results and results always means 9.9 .9 times out of 10 it's equating to leaner thinner smaller or like bigger muscles it's always about that aesthetic look and so I just got it driven in my head that I must always burn the most calories I must always do all these things and so I started to write these rules about what was what was good fitness and what was bad fitness the same way we have the good and bad foods right we have the good and bad fitness and so I started to allow myself to do the things I thought were bad fitness like yoga like I was like what's the point in yoga because I like I'm not sweating so what, what's the point of it and actually yoga is incredible for your body um in the you know for your mental health to calm your nervous system down to you know recenter yourself to your body to reconnect with your breathing and i think um then it's about going through like a gentle education of like what are the benefits of the different forms of movement and what can they give me and bring me um and 
yeah, it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. It's, and everyone's going to be individual. The same way with intuitive eating, we can't give timelines on how long it's going to take you to kind of, you know, unlearn the stuff that's been so deeply programmed in your brain. It's the same with fitness. The way we view exercise, you know, if you've had a traumatic experience at school when you were not picked for sports teams or, you know, you got shouted at by a teacher once and, you know, there's this stuff going on, then you're, you may you know, you may need more therapeutic help to get back to exercise. And I think, um, like there's no right or wrong. It's about what's right for you and empowering you and giving you back the control to do what feels good for you and not doing what you think is right by someone else's rules. And, um, I mean, once again, that's essentially what my book, <laughs> by, the end, yeah. by the end of my book, that's what I hope happens I hope you read it and you're like oh my goodness so first off I can exercise to feel good and I don't have to do burpees if I don't want to and I you know can work out in the body I have now and I don't need to change the body I have now to enjoy exercise wait what I like I think that's I want people to have that realization I want people to be like oh I want to go and do a dance class I'm like Maybe Sammy, if you were like, oh, you know, I've been, I was such a runner. Maybe running's not the thing for you. Maybe you want to go and do swimming or maybe you want to go and do like pole dancing. I don't know. Get out the gym. I'm like, I'm so, I'm, you know, I'm a personal trainer, but I'm like, get out the gym. If the gym has been such a place of restriction for you and was so part of that part of your identity, don't exercise in the gym, go into the park, um, find different classes, find different sessions, um, go do different things like rock climbing or um I don't know there's so many things you can do now so have fun with it and my last thought on this is um when you're a kid and you're moving your body mm. and you're running around it's called playtime right we need adult playtime we need to bring it back I love we need to bring that adult playtime back <laughs> that's amazing so think about like you and your friend you're going to this pole dancing class that is your play date for the week, you know, special fun, let loose. I used to work for a Lululemon like back in the day mm. and they used to call it sweat dates. And I loved that concept. Like find a mm. friend and have a sweat date. Um, maybe the intention was different, but I think <laughs> we can bring that back. Like, <laughs> I love that though. I think that's so powerful because, you know, we can't dismiss the fact that endorphins are also real too, right? Like when you are moving your body, they do get released and you feel good. I had a moment the other day where I was watching a Peloton instructor on my, my, on my phone mm -hmm. while I was running, talking about being strong, not small. And like that, Ooh, like, I love that. hit me so mm -hmm. hard. I was like, I love this. Like, I love feeling strong. Like that's such a great like mind reframe, I think that is just so needed for people to hear. So thank you for all of this. I think when I was listening to your podcast this morning, I really wanted to ask you more to dive into more about like how to motivate or inspire versus that sneaky diet culture concept. But I think that we've answered that like so many different ways in this conversation. <laughs> That's just so amazing. And you've identified it so much. Is there anything that you would want to add? And we can, of course, link your podcast in the show notes because that episode mm -hmm. that Sam sent me this morning really did cover a lot of that. Um, but it was so interesting to hear you both talk about it. I loved it so 
much. <laughs> yeah, so that episode you're referring to, I did it with a friend who was a personal trainer and called Ban Haas. We both started on the same day. Well, no, she started a few months earlier to me, sorry. But my first day on the job, I met her and we've both gone on to work in different places and do different things. But um, we both live in London and it's so funny that where the people we were when we first started that job to versus who we are now it's so hilarious the difference which is why on the podcast we have such a laugh laughing at ourselves um because it took us you know right down memory lane um and I think what really came out of that was particularly um we were talking about we both teach spin classes and we were talking about how we communicate um intuitive fitness in as a teacher in a class setting and one of the big things we both said was about um, using language that allowed for people to go at their own pace. So when we were talking about it as a personal trainer, I think also in a, a class environment, if you know, and you, I hope there are instructors listening that are like, I will take this on board. But I also hope that if you go to classes, you know that you are well within your right to kind of listen to your own body and go at your own pace. And this is something I'm really learning to do. Um, and maybe I, I actually probably need to write about it because I think we need to use language that gives people the opportunity to not, we're not constantly forcing people to distrust themselves and push through pain. There's so much within fitness of talking about working through the pain barrier and just keep going. Do not stop. You're not allowed to give in. Give me five more. No one quits. All this language, right? I'm just thinking of any um Barry's boot camp ever and um <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know that that constant messaging is undermining you listening to your body all the time and so you know I was talking to um someone the other day and they were telling me yeah I've been doing press-ups and my shoulder started hurting so uh you know if you were in my class and you dropped your knees or you stopped doing press-ups I'm not going to be like what are you doing get back to doing your press-ups. I'm going to say like, okay, I trust that you know what you're doing with your body and I trust that you're listening to yourself. Um, and because I'm not obsessed with people burning as many calories as possible, I also am not freaking out because I'm like, oh, if they don't, st if, you know, if they rest a little bit, they're not going to be, stop burning calories, whatever. Um, and it's allowing that, using that space and that language, like I said, to, to say to people, you know, we're going to push, for example, if I'm teaching a class, we're going to push here, but no, you know, but throughout this class, if you need to take a seat, if you need to have a breath, listen to your body, trust yourself. If you want to come with me, come with me. If you don't chill, but we're going to like, you know, we're going to go for it. Um, so there's options to, if you're, cause I think also one more thing, <laughs> I think also the misconception with intuitive exercise and with joyful movement, gentle movement, especially in the context of intuitive eating and haze amongst professionals is that it only consists of, I've seen a bit of discussion about this at the moment. It only consists of yoga and walking and you're not really allowed to do anything else um, because that might be diet culture. And I totally appreciate where that's coming from because I think if your experiences as a professional and um, you know, and the people you're working with, you're hearing all this feedback about exercise being so linked to an eating disorder and exercise being so linked to, um, you know, obsessive behaviors, then that can feel like a danger zone um, for someone trying to heal their relationship with food and exercise. Um, but it's all about, A, the intention with which, I think 
the dominant thing is the intention with which the exercise is done. CrossFit is not bad. CrossFit is not inherently bad. It's the intention with which you're doing CrossFit with. If you're doing CrossFit to, because you hate yourself and you feel like it's the only way to transform your body because you've been told if you transform your body, that will lead you to the dream life. That's, that's diet culture's intention. If the intention is like, I really love a physical challenge and I love the team and the community and I love the camaraderie of working out together with these people and it's, you know, constantly mixing up and we're having fun, that's the intention and that is intrinsic to you. So I think it's, you know, rather about creating a safe space as an instructor, using positive language and giving people the option to listen to their bodies, but also going into that class, going into that setting with your own intentions and not being swayed or led by diet culture, which is hard because that's going to be the often the dominant narrative from the instructor. But using it, you're doing it on your own terms and participating on your own terms and um, trusting yourselves. And I should say one barrier to that, I think, that can happen is our obsession with fitness trackers. I think um, we love a fitness watch. We love a smartwatch. And I... I don't think smartwatches are inherently bad. Once again, I, I think if you, I you know, marathon training for something, like it's, you know, helpful to track your pace and track your speed and all those things and track your mileage. However, if you know that you have a personality type that like gets, you know, dials in on numbers, they're not for you. <laughs> and if you find yourself, and I often say to people like, you, you don't have to get rid of it. I'm not like anti them. I'm not going to promote them. I'm not anti them. But um, if you find yourself going to a class and you start looking at a watch and tapping and feeling a slight disappointment if you didn't burn as many calories as you thought you would, take it off, have a break, have a rest, and engage with the same form of exercise or do a similar class or something, and notice how you feel when you're not wearing that fitness tracker. Um, and I've posed that kind of to quite a few people, and I get a, quite a few like messages about this of like, oh, I tried my run um in fact I had someone listen to my podcast um and she sent me a message saying you know I was out for a run and I don't I turned off the thing in my headphones that the, the my fitness watch talks to me in my ears about my pacing and my mileage and I turned that off because I wanted to listen to your podcast and on the podcast you were talking about how great endorphins are and how much you could just get in the rhythm of running and it's so great for your mind and she's like I ran my fastest um I ran my fastest distance ever, but um, I, I found that I was getting really distracted and I, would not, I was like listening to my body and I was actually really enjoying it in the moment, but I wasn't distracted by this external numbers and voice in my head. And it was, I was able to be more present and connected with my body. And so um, I think that's important to touch on too. That's huge. I love that. <laughs> Again, I feel like every time we have something with fitness, it has that parallel because the same thing with food, uh -huh. <laughs> a salad is not in, like yeah. inherently bad. If we're eating the salad because we want nutrient dense, crunchy, crispy, fresh mm. food, but if we're eating it because it's the least amount of calories and we're trying to like starve ourselves, well, then that comes into that diet culture mentality. So, and I, I totally get it as well, because I don't like for me from healing with a you know pretty obsessive relationship with food there are some foods that I can't eat because I'm like that's so strongly associated with restriction and a period in my life like why would I like I can't bring myself to eat like protein bars however I used to make overnight oats all the time and to this day it's still one of my absolutely favorite breakfasts and it's because I genuinely love it and it's not because 
it was a dieting thing. And I think it's the same with exercise. Like there's certain forms of exercise I will not bring myself to probably do again, because if I don't have to do it, I'm not going to do it. But, um, you know, there's certain other things that I did really enjoy. Like I do enjoy weight training, but now I'm just doing it on my own terms. I'm not doing this rigid structure, you know? And I think they both apply. You can kind of flip them both ways. I could never eat a hard boiled egg white ever again. Yeah. Unless it's like cakes. cob salad with like bacon and blue cheese. Like, yeah, I will, if we, I will never eat a rice cake again. Can't do it. Honestly, can we talk about, I know we're like running out of time here, but rice cakes <laughs> are all over freaking TikTok as like the savior food. I'm like, I want to scream every time I see one. See, I haven't seen that yet. So is that my algorithm? Start following more people. I don't yeah. want the diet shit on my feed. I just want to pretend that everybody knows intuitive eating. <laughs> no, I saw I that on like six different posts like in a row the other day and I was like, oh, I was so angry about it. I really yeah. to like look up like the differences and I was going to do a post. So. I saw someone did Another a, time. well, side note as well. I saw someone did a what I eat in a day and it was like, what I eat in a day, only real foods. And I was like, Wait, we're still, yeah, like, wait, we're still talking about clean eating in 2020? Like, I know. I think what? I saw the same one. We could talk about who it was at when we stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I, was, I was just shocked. I thought that, like, generally things have moved on from that, but I think it's so rife on those platforms, and it's scary because there's so many vulnerable people on there. It's coming back big time, I see, too, because it's very trendy, I think. That's coming back, and I'm seeing a resurgence of whole 30-esque type mm. verbiage on there. That's like really terrifying that we just, I guess, have to be louder about how much we, I mm. personally hate that diet. <laughs> but, mm, <laughs> but seriously, Tally, this was everything and more. Like Sammy brings the most incredible people into my life. And I'm oh. so happy <laughs> that she texted me and was like, she can do Friday. Thank you so much for being here. Is there, before we tell people where to find you, um, I think Sammy and I say this every episode, I think the entire episode was a nutrition or fitness tipsy. Um, but is there any last words you want to leave with people and then tell everyone where they can find you in all the spaces? So I have a question is how would you move your body or what would you do if it didn't have any impact on your weight or what you look like? What do you want to do? And I recommend trying that. That's a perfect thing to end with. <laughs> and like, like Jenna said, where is the easiest place if people want to find you or find your book or podcast, where do they go? So you can find me most places at Tally Rye, R-Y-E, like the bread. <laughs> and you can find my book on Amazon. But if you want to support smaller bookstores, I recommend either asking your bookstore to order it in um, or check on smaller sites. I'm not 100% sure about all the US stockings, but it is definitely on Amazon US. I'm going to order awesome. it right now. Yeah, definitely. You have two two new people. Two new order. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, every listener, and this will absolutely become required reading for all of my clients. And I bet Jenna will say oh, the thank same. Thank you. I'm gonna add it to my Amazon store too. I know we just said not to use Amazon, but just so people know. Where to find. <laughs> well, just in case. I mean. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Tally. And I know we, we packed so much into this episode, but we would love to have you on again for a round two in the future because this is a, a conversation that needs to absolutely continue. Thank you. And yeah, thank you for letting me um, ramble on, but I hope we covered as many bases as possible. It was so powerful. <laughs>
Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there, and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.